Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to episode four of Behind Golf with me, Dan Hendrickson. Today's video, we are having a very good chat with my good friend and character on the channel. He's been, well, I mean, he's won things like best guest after today's efforts. He's probably going to have won the best shot of the year. The one and only. Can't give that out yet. <laughs> the one and only Chris Gill, head professional at Nuki Golf Club. Good afternoon, Daniel. Well, welcome. Whoa, indeed. What a, what a beautiful venue. Well, it is a beautiful venue. We've stolen the upstairs boardroom <laughs> at Tavistock Golf Club to do this. Commandeered it, I think. They Commandeered. Yeah. Uh, but it does, it serves a purpose. We're here. We're here. We're here. Now, Chris, I've got lots of questions that I want to ask you as we work our way through this podcast. But I'm titling this podcast From Tour Player to Head Professional. Ooh. Which has basically been your journey. That's been exactly my journey, yeah. Exactly. Um, now, Chris and I go back a long way because we're both Devon County players, but Chris was the generation, certainly, well, you, not the generation before me because we're in the same generation, but actually you were playing in the generation earlier because you, you actually got good at golf very early, didn't you? Well, I was very lucky. So I started playing golf when I was 11 properly, yeah. and then I played my first men's county game when I was 14. Wow. So and that is three early. years. Yeah, I mean, so I was—I think I was sixteen, maybe or sixteen when I got into the second mm. team. So for fourteen, I mean, that's that's that some was quite good a, going. Yeah, it was quite a—it was quite a rise. Let's put it that way. But then, uh, if you ask anyone back then, uh, I was quite happy to tell everyone how good a rise it was. Yeah, but you need that, don't you? <laughs> you need that. You need that little bit of. Um, mm. I mean, I listened to I listened to uh, things with Rory McIlroy mm. and. And, you know, even he will say that at a very young age, he was extremely cocky mm. about his game. And, yeah. and, and he probably upset a few people along the way. Know how he feels. <laughs> know how he feels, yeah. I, I, the thing is, is that, especially the older you get, what I found was um, the better players you played with, yeah. they didn't necessarily tell you they were, they were any good. You could just see within their walk or their demeanour that they were good. Yeah. I think as a kid, you don't have that life experience, so you're quite happy to shout it from the rooftops, which is, yeah. I was I was very lucky on two fronts. One, I had a very big mouth, but two, I had quite a big golf game to back it up with. Yeah. So I was very lucky, and looking back in hindsight, there's some moments which I find cringeworthy, but I'm sure we've all done stuff we maybe shouldn't have done. Well, for me personally, I mean, I've, we've, we've shared this story in the past, but for me personally, I remember you... Um, I was certainly just starting to really... I, I played a lot of tennis, a lot of rugby growing up, and golf was not really my main mm. sport. And when it started becoming my main sport was around this sort of time where you were playing, I think, a first-team match at Churston, and you'd been out and played on the Saturday because the Sunday was always yeah, the match yeah. day. And I was out playing Saturday afternoon, and you guys were all out. You know, I remember, like, you were there, Gary Harper was there, Andy Stubbs mm. was there. Graham Ruth was there. There was a lot of players there, but um, and I remember you from a junior event that we must have played in, which was like the junior county champs, let's right. say. Um, and obviously, you being a few few years older than me, and I really remember looking up to you hmm. at that point because you were the star player of the county team at that particular time. And it was just for a young kid, it was something I was then striving towards wanting to get to where you'd kind of gone to. Yeah. So that kind of really kicked me on. Well, I think, I think growing up, you definitely need peers. You definitely need somebody 
whoever it is to to that's where you need to elevate yourself yeah. because otherwise how are you going to get any better Rory McMackerel he's even now says you've got to play with better players yeah you've absolutely. got to challenge yourself but I think from your point of view you know you talk about talk about your you being a good player and, and being you know cocky with it but ultimately you've still got to understand how to communicate with people and you certainly I, I remember walking up to you and saying hello to you and you were very open for a chat with a young kid you know, I know it was only three or four years difference, mm. but you were you were very much like open to having a conversation about golf mm. with me. Yeah, you know, and that is well, quite inspiring. That's know, very nice. Young yeah, kids. Um, yeah. I, but you know, it's, it sounds a bit of a cliche now, but I think you've always, if you're ever put in that situation, it doesn't matter what level you play at. I was in the grand scheme of it, I was never that good. But if you looked at whatever you did, somebody gave me a heads up. Mm. Somebody gave me a foot up. Um, uh, dear old guy Mervyn Fudge who's no yeah, longer yeah, yeah. with us but Fudgy you know he put me in the first team when I was 14 you know yeah. I had no right to be in that team absolutely none at all I didn't really have much to back it up with as in winning stuff but he obviously saw something in me which he which he kind of did so for me then I've always been like that though I've always if somebody wants to have a chat or somebody wants to have some advice or wants my opinion Oh, I'll give anybody as much time as you want because yeah. I think it's I think you've got a duty of care almost. I think you've got it's almost passing the baton a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you definitely, if you haven't got that and you're one of these people that hasn't, not even in just golf, I think you're kind of missing the point a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I agree with that absolutely. I'm, I'm somebody who's learnt from that and then, you know, always trying to give mm. back myself at the same time. But so. Let's let's take you on now. So obviously, yes, very early on your county days of golf, you obviously, you know, you, you were very talented and worked your way up through the ranks. And I believe you turned pro in 2000. Mm. Yeah. Did you play any other sports up until that point? Was it always kind no, of really golf? I, I played oriented? a little bit of football, a tiny, tiny bit of rugby, although I love r- r- rugby now. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was pretty much golf all the way. Yeah. Um, I just love that it was on your shoulders. I never really loved the team aspect, as in, not as in you played as a group, but you were relying on someone else. And I never liked that. I never, never interested me. And I was never tall enough and strong enough to be a tennis player. Yeah. Obviously, five foot eight, I'm not going to get the ball over the net very often. So, golf was the perfect sport. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. And when you can, well, as you're more than aware, because you've played this game for long enough, you especially as a kid, you can immerse yourself in it, can't you? You can really get swallowed up by the whole practice, playing, doing your own thing, that what works for you doesn't work for someone else. All these kind of little nuances, you can just fit into one little box, that's your box. And that was the thing that really excited me more than anything else, was that it was mine. It wasn't anyone else's, it was mine. No one told you what to do. There's also the flip side of when you're in a team, you do get told what to do. You get told what to eat, what to sleep, where to go, who somebody books your hotel, somebody does all this. So there is ups and downs to it, but I just liked I was in control. I didn't think I was a control freak until a few years ago. My wife told me, yes, you definitely are. So. Well, it's interesting you say that, and I never really thought about it like that. But And, and many people listening to this that, that like to go off and do practice and things, you can lose yourself, can't you? You can really lose yourself for that that couple yeah. of hours of practice or whatever it is you're going to do, you know, into, you know, put your headphones in and off you go sort of thing. But Well, I was just going to say about the headphones thing, because nowadays, even if I hit ball, so I practiced uh, Sunday, it was the last time I practiced, and um, I got the AirPods in and yeah. I listened, I, can't, I can't, couldn't even tell you what I was listening to, I don't even think it was music, it might have been a podcast. 
And I actually prefer the old days. Of I prefer not the old days that. where you had nothing. Yeah. You had the sound of the birds, you had the wind in the trees, and, and that... <laughs> It's going to sound really kind of a bit weird, maybe, but it's almost a bit of a magical thing about it because you just get lost. Yeah. And that lost bit is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It's it amazing. really is. It really is. And, and I, it, I wish I had more time for it. <laughs> just, I, I, I tell you, listen, so obviously, as you guys are more than aware, where, where I am at Nuki Golf Club with that view, yeah. our little driving range between 10, 11, and 12, that little sort of triangle. Yeah. Um, just every now and again, just redoing a glove or doing something, looking around, looking at that view, and then you go back again and you hit a couple more balls. And I just went, I'd love to do this more. Yeah. Often. But wife, family, kids, got to make time. Business, you know. It, it, unfortunately, playing is the playing's the thing that takes the back seat, isn't it? It and, really does. And unless you are a player still, like your brother, like James, um, it's tough. It's really tough. So two thousand, mm. you embark on a new career move which is that you want to become a professional golfer yes now how did it kind of work for you because my my understanding is that you went pretty much straight off to tour school mm-hmm. um so the pga wasn't necessarily on the radar at that particular point it was more about the playing element how did it kind of work uh, for you yeah uh, we, we could be a while so yeah, for me, it was always playing. Um, I played my last amateur event, which was the Southwest versus the Midlands match oh, yeah, in yeah. the September, October, is it? I can't yeah. remember what, they might change the dates now. Um, and then I got a phone call from a good friend of mine, a guy you know, a guy called Simon Allen, yeah. plays golf at Saunton. Yeah. Uh, he said, look, I'm living in Thailand. Uh, I've, I've got a little bit of money to go for the Asian tour, as opposed to spending, even back then, tour school was including your entry, you're probably looking at seven, eight grand mm. to do it from start to finish. Now it's an awful lot more, but that's what it was back then. Yeah. And he said, look, you can do it from start to finish. Yeah, your initial flight's quite expensive, but about two. And he said, you, you can then qualify for co-sanction events and stuff. Yeah. Come and live with me. And I said, he had a big, massive apartment in Bangkok at the time. And I said, okay, great, thanks. You know, so, I, I, so I literally, literally <laughs> packed up everything that I had in a suitcase, jumped on a train at Exeter, uh, caught the flight out from Heathrow, caught the midnight Thai Airways flight out and landed the next day at three in the afternoon. Never being there and before. Never been, never knew where I was going. I had no idea. Obviously, this was even slightly before mobile phones and stuff. Emails or any just kind of, you know, and didn't know, didn't have a clue. And I got, went down to um, a place called Malacca in Malaysia and didn't get a great card. Got a, got a card finished just outside the top 40. I think it was about, I was about 45th, 48th, something like that. Uh, and then got about a dozen starts and that, that was it. I, I stayed out there really pretty much on and off for about nine years. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and how was life? I mean, that must have been a life-changing moment, experience for you. Mm. Well, because cultures are huge changes, and even even bumping bopping around the Asian tour, this mm. you're going from culture to culture, like massive well, shifts you, in culture. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, to to answer the first piece of that was when I first went out there. Everyone. So nowadays, you say to somebody, "I went to Thailand, I went to Bangkok," and they have all these things they think happens, and you know, most most of it does, to be fair. But you know, what else? You know, and <laughs> I, but I I was there to play golf. That was my job. Yeah. You know, and 
for how much uh, maybe on the channel I come over a little bit of a sort of, uh, sort of try and make people laugh or try and be a bit of a twit. I was I, I felt I was always very professional within my job. I yeah. thought I was very focused on what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. Um, and so that side of it was great because the best golf courses on the planet, I still say they've got the best variety of golf courses I've ever played anywhere yeah. in the world. So I get to play the best golf courses. It's hot. I mean, it's steaming hot. Um, and it, it was great. And then going on to your next part was when we would play one week in China, one week in Indonesia, one week in India. One week. So like I said, you were, you were going into different cultures, different religions. Um, you know, you could really, really, really immerse yourself in it as well because they kind of liked it when you got involved. So I always used to, I was always very lucky that I was always asked to do the pre-tournament pro-ams. So I'd play with a sponsor, I'd play with... Yeah. And I've eaten, you know, snake heart in China. I've been chucked out of a boat in India. I've done, I've done weird stuff you'd never see and nothing you'd never do. I was really lucky because, hopefully because of my personality, I got asked to do all these stuff. Mm. And it was brilliant. And I loved it. And I never shied away from it, though. I think that, that was the key thing. I did just jump in with both feet all the time. But you spent nine years out there. Mm. And... Uh, how how often were you coming back home for, for that? Were you just coming back for holidays, like like Christmas time and things like that, to say hello, or was mm, pretty was the tour pretty much the Asian tour back then used to used to shut down from April to around about August yeah. for the rainy season, really. Um, although you know, they mostly have some rain everywhere, especially Southeast Asia. Mm. But the tour used to shut down for about three months, so I'd come back. That's when I played a couple of Euro Pro events, which obviously I managed to win one, which yeah. was lucky. Uh, played a few um, uh, regional events, Order of Merits, Pro-Ams. And uh, yeah, so I, I would come home. At Christmas, I wouldn't really bother too much. I was never that concerned. That I said it, yeah. because the season always got off to a fairly quick start, middle of Jan, so I yeah. wanted to be ready. Ready to go. And, you know, I know people say you have to make sacrifices, and yes, you do, of course you do. Um, but I didn't see me not having Christmas at home with the family uh, yeah. a big deal. It was, it, was never a, it was never a deal breaker, you know? No. And, but what was your goal? So you've gone out to Asian tour. Mm. You know, um, the Asian tour, I always sort of ranked the Asian tour as maybe the, th the third ranked tour, like that back in your yeah. day. Yeah, so definitely. you'd have the US PGA tour, yeah. you'd have the European tour, and then you'd have the Asian tour. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, you come back and playing in a Euro Pro event is is way below what, yeah. you know, challenge tours below Asian tour, yeah. and therefore Euro Pro is even further below that. Yeah. So, you know, what was your goal? Did you have a goal to say, I want to be on the US PGA Tour, I want to be playing European Tour? What, what was it you wanted to do? Or were you just enjoying life out there so much that it was like, I'm actually quite happy doing what I'm doing out here? That's a really good question. And did it, was it something you ever really planned? No, I, th I think that's why it's a really good question because I've always lived by, kind of going back to what I said just now about I think you should pass on any sort of wisdom or any help you can pass on. Mm. I just, I've, I've always lived by how good can I be? Yeah. That might be a golfer. That might be a teacher. That might be a dad. That might be a husband, whatever it is. I've always gone, okay, if you're going to do it, let's really do it. Let's really have a go. And, and that, that was, that was pretty much it. I think I don't. So, so actually, you know, coming back to the fact that you're Hepper at Nuki, mm. it's like, it's actually, and I know you got into your surfing, but it's literally like riding a wave and see where it takes you. Yeah, 
which is mental. When when you when you look at it now, and if one of my kids said to me, "That's what their plan that's what was. That's what they do." I, I, not a chance. You're yeah. not going. You, you're not getting on the plane. Yeah. To some extent, but yeah, I've just always gone. Well, do you know what? Let's give it a go. Why not? Now, with that though, do you feel that looking back? And you will have had lots of different support mechanisms around you going through that process. And there would have been, there would have been lots of people out there, Gilly, that um, would have jumped on the bandwagon of, of what you were doing or, or, <laughs> or wanted to get involved in some way, shape or form or tried to help you mm. as best they possibly could or what they saw was the right way. Now, nowadays, you have some real good guidance out there with people. And certainly you could be someone that could be a massive, a huge mentor to, mm. to golfers coming up through the ranks, kids coming up through the ranks to say, right, actually, you know, th- let's focus on the journey. Where does the journey end up? Where mm. do you want to be in five years? What, what, how do we get you on the Asian tour mm. and off the Asian tour as quickly as possible to go to European tour, yeah. build yourself up to PJ tour like that? It, it, you know, do you feel if you had a better plan back then, do you feel it could have taken you somewhere on a different avenue? Or were you just happy with what you were doing? I think for me, mine always came down to finances. Yeah. Always. Um, I remember vividly one year, 2005. So I had to come back and I had to do a few. Uh, went and helped out in a shop up at Royal North Devon for a friend of mine, Rich, um, for like a season. And then I, I got some money together and I thought, right, I'm going to go to the Asian tour. Yeah. I'm going to go to tour school in January again, so because I was flying back out in the October anyway, so I'm going to go back to tour school. I'm going to get my card and I'll find some dough from from yeah. from, from somewhere by hook or by crook. I'll find some money and went back to tour school. I had my best finish at tour school ever. Finished in the top twenty out of seven hundred people. So, so you know, card. I'm full card, co-sanctioned events. I mean, job lot. Yeah couldn't find one one sponsor so I, I i missed the first 13 events oh my word so you you it, what could have been i think if i had some more structure mm. and especially financial structure i think i could have actually achieved a lot more yeah. but because you, i was literally living by the seat of my pants yeah constantly day in day out hand to mouth i i'd never thought you could plan i didn't yeah. think you could uh, schedule budget or this kind of stuff that probably with with my personality being a bit uppity um, probably would have helped I think probably would have settled me down would have put the sort of lid on the pot a little bit more yeah other players that were out there with you who was out there John oh, Morgan was God, out there with Moxie, Moxie came who, out for a little bit yeah for those um, of you who don't know John does the commentary now on the on Sky, Sky. did very well out on the PGA Tour he did, did great know. yeah um, who did I play so People like Simon Yates. Simon was probably the best player on the Asian tour at the time. Yeah. Always won multiple times. All all the old fellas really like Ton Shai Jadi, um, uh, Keith Horn. Trying to think of the guys who are on tour still. Um, yeah, I can't think. It's loads Great of way guys. of life though. Great way of life. Loved but I, I, I see. I used to quite enjoy the. I used to quite enjoy the co-sanction events because you then could mix it properly. Yeah. Like the Asian tour. Don't don't get me wrong. The first few events, I was like a rabbit in headlights. You know, it's the first proper events I ever played in where you had billboards, you had scorers, you yeah. had um, players areas and all you know, badges. You know, to get into places and all this kind of stuff. And then I remember the first time I ever played in a European tour event. Absolutely petrified got drawn with a um, couple of names and I'm kind of going, what the what hell's going on here? Yeah. But it's less like everything. The more you do it, the yeah. more you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah, you I just do. keep punching through ceiling. And you just yeah. keep going and keep going. And, you know, 
as you rightfully say, I never had any support mechanism as such. So you just had to dust yourself down and start all over again. And um, it was sometimes it was really tough, but I wouldn't change it for the world. No, not no. at all. So nine years on that tour. <laughs> um, so that took you up to 2009, 2010. So nine, 10. Yeah. So nine, 10, um, I kind of had not had enough, but I wasn't going anywhere. So I thought, okay, well, I, so I came home and I thought I'd focus on the region. Yeah. So I came home, focused on the region, and then I won the Order of Merit 2009, 2011. Yeah. Played the PGA twice. Obviously, there's some photos of you coming yeah. up to watch. Yeah, we yeah, managed yeah. to get you inside the ropes on Fantastic. one of those days. Yeah. Um, it was at that moment I realised that I don't want to ever come up here and stand behind the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get a job that I can stay inside the ropes? It's either going to be a caddy or get in media. <laughs> Well, that's the thing you do when you, and, it, and it's like everything, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. Yeah. You might go to a certain pub for some food. You might drive your mate's car that says, when you have a taste of it, you want yeah. it, right? Of course you yeah. want it more. Yeah. And I, and, and, and it, it, it was a, it was a, it was a bit of a double-edged sword for me because although I was, I was winning on the region, I was winning order of merits like no tomorrow. I think in the end I worked it out. I won over 15 order of merit events. Yeah. That's a lot, you know. Some guys got a whole career and only win two or three. So yeah. I, I had a lovely little run, but it, 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 it was, it, it was, it was trying to be a catalyst. It was trying to springboard me then to play Wentworth, have a good week at Wentworth, come back. That, 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 that was then the plan. You mm. know, I actually finally formulated a, a plan. Um, but as a really good friend of mine, Lee Slattery, who plays on tour now, yeah. Uh, I remember having a practice round with him around Wentworth uh, the first time I qualified and he said look you, you guys have this one week us that play on tour we have 30 events 25-30 yeah. events we're used to how the golf courses are set up mm -hmm. we're used to green speeds we're used to crowds and stuff you yeah. guys aren't yeah. in the nicest possible way you, you, you don't get this so when you come here and you've got that one week well it's not even one week is it it's four days four days to shine to find your best golf out of nowhere for four days, it's a tough ask. It really is. It's yeah. a tough ask. And I remember the last time I played the PGA, uh, I shot uh, I shot one over for 36 holes, missed the cut. Yeah. And just, I literally hung up my boots. I, yeah. I literally, it was that event, I went, that's me done that's now. That's done. That's me done. Now, in 2007, we started the PGA. <laughs> graduated in 2009 <laughs> I won't go on to the, the, the fun stories of the Bel Air nightclub however you can if you like you, you so <laughs> you um, obviously at that point was it was in the back of your mind to go through the PGA get a backup plan I remember mm. you telling me about yep. this backup plan yeah, yeah. of like right I want to get my PGA I want to get my ticket yeah. so it, it, if it doesn't pan out the way I want it to pan out in golf then I've got something else mm. for the future. Yeah, um, 100%. You know, family on the way and all that mm. sort of stuff going on. So then once you'd kind of... Head Pro still wasn't kind of on your radar at that point, it? was, was never it? on my radar. No. It never even crossed my mind that that would be a, that would be a thing, yeah. you know. Um, for me, that's what other people did. Yeah. That's what old people did. Okay. You know, that can't break 80, that just like sitting in the shop and drinking a tea and, yeah, yeah. and having members moan with them. That, it was never on the radar for an absolute jot. And then uh, luckily, um, uh, Catherine got pregnant in the March. Yeah. And then I played the PGA, so my last event in the 
May it would have been. It was when it was still played in May. Yeah. And I played that last event and I said, you know, even if I did well, with a newborn baby on the way, I don't want to be away from home. No, no, I've got no, no interest in being away from no. home. I want to be hands-on. I want to be getting up and doing the night feeds. I want to be doing all this. Yeah. So I literally, literally flicked through the PGA book at the time because I don't even think the website was even up and running then. Oh, Nuki Golf Club. I was like, that'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? You know, imagine sort of having a family and living in Cornwall. It's yeah. a bit more of a quiet, light way of life. Yeah can't be that difficult being a club pro surely it can't be that difficult and that I did and that was even to this day that's the only interview I've ever had in my life and I remember I remember when you got the job and it was you know it was pretty hush hush because ultimately you're going for jobs and we we all go through for jobs it's mm. like we keep it all under the radar a little bit um and then when you got the job I was like oh well I didn't know that was the avenue that Gilly wanted to go <laughs> you know however you've been now at Nuki for ten and a half years Ten and a half years a as a head time, pro. So yeah. ten years on tour, ten years now as a head yeah. pro, and I'm still only 27. I, I can't uh, amazing. Work it out. Yeah, I can't. And, work and you it don't out. look a day over no, 27 as well, which is great. <laughs> but so now your life as a now you've got your life in Cornwall. Mm. Um, you've learned how to surf, roughly ish. I'm better at paddleboarding, but yeah. Surfing. And you are you've been doing 10 years in the job as a head pro yeah retailing coaching fitting people trying to give advice to golf your golf club um trying to help the green staff whenever you can with yeah. with you know just even if you're just a sounding board for yeah. them um and welcoming people to mm -hmm. what is probably one of the nicest links courses in the southwest yeah i think so um how's that been weird yeah. really weird i think I think I've managed to make the job work strictly on personality. I don't think I don't think it's been in much else. To be fair, um, I've loved it. I've got to say I have really enjoyed it. The members as well, they are amazing. Yeah, and you know I'm not just saying that because we're doing this kind of stuff, but our members are brilliant. You know they are so nice, they're so supportive. Um, you couldn't really wish to meet a nicer group of people. Um, but with, you know, any time you have a group of people, there's always going to be a few you're never going to see eye to eye with. Yeah. But 99.9% .9 of them are fantastic. But I get the, I mean, you would get the feeling that being in Nuki, that's like kind of surfy feel. Everything's pretty chilled. Is yeah. it chilled? Yeah. Is it a chilled place to live? That's part of the problem sometimes. Is it too laid back? Yeah. Yeah. Very much manana. Um, I always recall the story when I first got the job. Uh, one of our guys, Bert, who you know, um, uh, got me this massive uh, above the shop sign, big metal sign, Chris yeah. Gill, PJ Professional, Nuki logo, PJ logo. Looked fantastic, looked awesome. And uh, I can't hang a picture. I'm DIY, no, that's, that's, you know, get someone else to do it. I can't, I'm not doing it. So I got one of our members who was a, who was a chippy and I said, Kev, did, can you do us a favour? Can you whack me sign up at some point? Don't you worry, I'll get it done. I said, okay, great. Thought, any, any any idea when? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, next next week. Okay, fine. So a week comes past. Kev, my sign's not up. He said, oh, mate. He said, look, I'll get it done directly. So I thought directly meant directly. Directly. I, 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 was, I, was, I was too literal, you see? Yeah, yeah. So about another week goes by. Kev, my sign's still not up. Can you put my sign up? I told you I'll do it directly. And I went, yeah, but yeah, directly. He went, no, I'll do it directly when I can be bothered. He goes, and that's that's their mindset. I'll do it when I can be pretty much bothered to get out of my seat and go and do it. 
Well, thank, thankfully, it, it's up there. It, it was up eventually. Actually, the first time you put it up, you put it up, up upside down to give you some idea. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if that reflection off the window. I'm not sure if so you could see. <laughs> what were you doing? Anyway, so... Um, but yeah, it's and it is. It's a completely different way of life. Yeah. I mean, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. Head pro, mm. um, obviously being a being a head pro myself. Like one of the things that really uh, um, excited me about being a head pro was, I feel like you could get the balance of a, you could cover all areas of the game of golf as being a professional. So you can do all the things that I just mentioned, which is, you know, be involved in the coaching point of view, still keep your hand in with mm. a little bit of playing when there's some competitive events to play in and, you know, still fit people, interact with people from a retail point of view. You know, that's something that really got me going. Do you feel like that's what keeps you going with it? Or do you focus on, do you have to have like, I need to spend some time in the shop or I need to spend some time coaching? How does it what does it work? What works for you? Do you do you focus on one? No, as your particular like that's me. I don't think you can. I don't. I, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. And I'll ask you a question in a minute, but I don't think it's possible. I think you have to be good at everything. You have yeah. to be good at every facet. The unfortunate thing with us as players, you know, I class as you know, you're a very good golfer. I've played to a decent standard. Unfortunately for us, it's always the playing and the practice that fails first doesn't yeah. it that's always the first thing that, that has to fall by the wayside because it's so time consuming and yeah. you're not you know you're doing it for yourself it's a real it's a real selfish art yeah. practicing it's a yeah. real selfish thing too well everything else can go and jump but yeah. I've going to go and hit balls for an hour because you're literally putting the world on hold for yeah. the time you're hitting balls kind of what we said you get wrapped up in it but obviously you did the job what facet do you miss you must miss a facet of it there must be something like you said coaching custom fitting being in the shop because that's that's a massive part of it you know is, is there any aspect that you go I kind of like that being in the shop it is so um, I still feel like I can still have my hand in on playing a little bit and coaching if mm. I want to if I ever want to get going and coaching again I can I still have a few clients mm. that I deal with but I can still do all that and I love my coaching mm. holidays that I trips and I do but just now that I'm in this role where I'm editing all the time or I'm focusing on uh, on my filming and planning and traveling and all those other things that I do what I miss is just that general banter in the shop mm. and that is because I, I always felt that I could be, I knew my level. So I knew that if I was talking to some, somebody here or somebody over there, I could speak to them in a different light, in mm. a different way, um, which is an art. Like you have it, I have it. I think there's some, some a lot of head pros do have it, but you've got to know who you're talking to and what level you can speak to them at. Yeah. Um, I miss that because I know I knew what line I could push it to with the banter point of view and, and yeah. how much fun you could have. Like, I can sell to the Eskimos. I can sell ice to the Eskimos. Mm. You are um, a good salesman, to be fair. And that, that's, that interests me, yeah. because it was a challenge. If mm. I saw someone coming in going, looking around, I'd be like, right, what am I gonna sell that person? Mm. You know, even if they wandered out with a bag of teas or whatever it was, they, they had to be sold something, and that was my challenge every day. Yeah. That's what I miss. See, I, I, I often liken a head pro's job, especially the shop side. I'm, yeah. not, I'm, I'm just going the shop side, nothing else at the minute. It's like being a pub land, landlord. Yeah. You have to know everyone's um, little things, don't you? you know, what they like, what they don't like. Um, but for me, it was always exactly what you said. You knew where the level was with everyone. You yeah. went, 
Hello, Mr. Jones. How are you? Yeah. How's the cat? I, say, I hear you have to take him to the vet. Da da da. Or then another member walks in and you, F and Jeff and yeah. And 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 that's the way that they like to be greeted because it's the same as a Sunday morning football. Yeah. Change rooms. It's literally horses for courses. Yeah, absolutely is. I mean, one there was. Um, so I started working as a head pro. Um, for Albert McKenzie, our good mm. friend at, at Saunton. And one of the things that, that amazed me with Albert was he could meet you once and remember your name forever. And I, rem- I remember working really hard at that to, to try and remember people's names. And I got, I got okay at it. Is it something like, I'm not, never, never to his level, but is it something, do you, are you good at it? Albert taught me. Did he? I asked him because I found it remarkable. Yeah. And when I first got the job, he said, you need to know what, as many, he said, you should be getting all of them, but yeah. as many names, roughly where they live, roughly what they do for a job, something interesting about them. Are they married? They've got kids, got a dog, cat, whatever the case is, find out about that person. And he said, when they come in, greet them how they want to be greeted and it is it is an art form it's an art, it yeah. is a proper art form. and he was he was he was quite special at it i'm pretty good yeah yeah but he was a he was the next sort of uh, jedi level up yeah he was yeah, yeah. he's pretty impressive <laughs> and and happily retired now yeah and doing Bless very him. well for himself yeah so i see so what's next for chris gill then are you you know 10 years in are you itchy feet do you want to do something different where's where's your avenue from here or are you still riding that wave, Chris? No. See, I, I think I'm the same as everybody. I think we all like a challenge. Yeah. We all like a fresh challenge. But that challenge has to be right. It has to be correct. It has to be the right time. It has to be the right environment. Um, and as I'm in the same boat as you with having a youngish family, it's, the decision almost gets taken out of your hands sometimes where they, they're the priority to pay the mortgage, to pay the bills. But would I like to do something? I'd, I'd like to get my teeth into something, but I think we, we were chatting about this today. I've just, I've just managed to find a bit of time to practice and do yeah. stuff again. And I'm thinking, well, I'm 45. I still hit it fairly decently. I still hit it long enough. Um, you know, do we look at the seniors tour? Do we look at playing a bit more events? And do we look at maybe maybe put myself out there again yes you know and i th- i'd like to i love I'd like that i now you said it and you see the smile on your face mm. that's what i love that there you go so yeah. now we've learned from your experience of 10 years on the asian tour yeah. of planning maybe we can all jump in and get involved in planning yeah. for your five planning, your five year plan of tour school at senior <laughs> oh tour level God, senior tour. God, i could literally Jesus. i could bop around following you around oh, filming you could do. couldn't film i film it yeah yeah follow the journey for five years and then follow your next five years on the seniors well tour. the plan is to definitely definitely get back to playing a little bit more because i'm uh, fortunately i'm been um fantastic honor of being the west region captain next year oh lovely well done so i'm really quite excited about that but that would mean that uh, it would not mean but it would give me more excuse more of a reason to play a bit more yeah nice yeah and to interact with the guys a bit more and to you know um so i think i could kind of marry the two up a little bit. yeah like that i've had a word with the golf club and they're happy that you know i'd be away a little bit more often and that's that's great because you know they're my boss so you've got to make sure your boss is happy and I, that could be the catalyst. It could be the kickstart that actually at 40, I'd be 45 then. Um, you know, why not give it a bit more of a go? Why not, why not? actually play, practice, put the time into it? Because I've always got this little thing as well, because 
as you rightfully say, I was quite young to hit quite a good level. Yeah. So my so my kids see me now. They if like now they go onto their phones or whatever, and they they'll have a look at a leaderboard where they inevitably scroll to the bottom because that's generally where my name is. Last couple of weeks has been slightly better, but I would like to play in a biggish event where they could come and watch and they could yeah. actually see what I do did whatever the case is. You know that 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 would that's that's my goal. I think that's my goal for the next five years is to qualify for something of some worth. Do you know what I mean? Love it. That's what I'd like to do. Love that. Well, Chris, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for your time, not only for today on the golf course, we've had a fantastic game, which will be coming out on the channel. Um, but thank you for your the insight into uh, your journey mm. to this point, the waves that you've been riding. I love that. <laughs> you do I like that. do you? love that. Yeah. The waves that you've been riding and where we can all get involved to help you move forward. Yeah. And, um, and showcase it to the world. So thank you very much for your time. Welcome, me, old mate. And uh, we'll see you again uh, very soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you very much.